Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We are glad that you're here with us. You know that one of our core values here is compassion. And by that, we aim to partner with others to help build a just city here in Jersey City. That's why every Advent season, we host our Compassion Campaign, where we uh, financially support organizations um, during, this, during this time. And of course, you know that um, this has not been a normal year. Many have been affected by the economic downturn. And that's why this year we want to raise $15,000 to support and come alongside um, three causes. One is uh, local families um, that um, local families here in Jersey City where we will give them, buy them Christmas gifts, um, Christmas gift cards that is, um, to, to, uh, for groceries and for, for Walmart. That way they can buy Christmas gifts for their family. Um, the second uh, cause we're given to is towards the medical, um, medical and social services for the homeless at Jersey City Medical Center, where they, they uh, meet 200 clients to provide uh, quality care for them. So we'll be supporting them as well. And then lastly, our local elementary school, where we actually usually meet on Sundays, will be given towards their PTA as they look at, uh, to the upcoming year to reopen and restart programs again. I hope um, that you prayerfully consider giving towards these, uh, these causes. And uh, as a church, uh, one thing that we believe when it comes to compassion is that God has called us to be uh, a church for the world, not a church just for ourselves, to look outside of ourselves and support and help grow our city. So I hope you can prayerfully consider uh, joining us during this campaign. We are in this time of Advent, and uh, we're, we're, we're looking at really the Christmas story and seeing how uh, the, the story uh, enlightens us and shows us just the, the, the way Christ has come into our world. And what does that actually mean for us? Today we'll be reading from Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 13. To 15. Luke 2, 13 to 15. You can join along and read with me. This is what it says. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels heard, when the angels had left them, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know, um, in the book of John, when the word began to spread that Christ had resurrected, his friends and followers uh, we're quarantined together in a room where the doors were securely locked and they were afraid and anxious because they thought the Jewish leaders were going to seek them out and, and kill them. And in their anxiety and in their, in their worry and fear, Christ actually appears to them in that room. And he said this to them. 
peace be with you. Peace be with you. I imagine that that must have quenched the fears and the worries that they were carrying. Because the Prince of Peace, as as, um, Isaiah calls him, the Prince of Peace is standing right there in the room and speaking peace to them. For, For us today, peace might seem quite elusive. Peace in the time of COVID can be really hard to come by. All right, we've been talking about this all year, just the, 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 the stress of working from home, parents with kids, homeschooling the kids, the loneliness some of us are feeling because of this time. This Advent season really has not been anything like our normal Advent seasons. It's different. And in many ways, we might not find peace right now with all the stress and anxieties and fear that we may be carrying. So today, I hope that we see and understand that Christ, the Prince of Peace, that despite our fears and anxieties, that he speaks peace be with you even now, that we understand and that we see that God's peace is present and available to us today. You know, this passage, we see the angels declaring glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. To God, they were lifting up praises they were lifting up worship. And to the, to the earth, they were declaring peace. A wonderful assurance that Christ, in Christ, something glorious has come into our world. I mean, this mom- moment was so earth-shattering that it needed angels to declare it. So that mere shepherds can be witnesses of this event. It's almost like heaven could not contain the immensity of the moment that earth caught a small glimpse of heaven. Peace had come, and the boundaries between earth and heaven were broken. What exactly is this peace? Well, biblical writers tell us that that that. that in many, that what, what has happened here is that humanity is, has no longer become estranged from God. That God has come to earth to broker peace. And as the, the carol says, God and sinners reconciled. The divine has come to the earth to reconcile us together. And that's why the angelic praise to God exudes from heaven to earth because we are at peace. It calls for worship. It calls for praise to God. Because Christ, in Christ, there is this restored relationship. 
But let's not miss the full picture here. That even as we see, as we see angels declaring worship and glory to God in exuberance, what we see here happening in the birth story of Jesus Christ is also very human and very earthy. It is fraught with conflict, with struggles, with pain, and even violence. Matthew documents, he writes about Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, and at one point was quite close to calling the whole thing off, calling off the wedding because he heard that Mary had become pregnant. I mean, that's drama right there. That's scandalous. But an angel appeared to, to Matthew to calm his fears, to remind him that actually, no, this is an act of God. We see Herod, the king of the, the province at that time, boiling in anger and jealousy at the, the, the declaration that Jesus Christ was born because he was, he was, he was pro prophesied to be the king. And he was angry and jealous about that. And what did he do? He ordered the killing of babies two years and younger in Bethlehem. It was violent and vile. And this led Mo, uh, Joseph and Mary to seek refuge in a foreign country, to essentially be refugees in, in, in Egypt. It's a story of conflict. It's a story of violence. That why we see, we see the praise and the worship to God because of the birth of Jesus, we see also the pain and the struggle because of the birth of Jesus. Christ comes to bring peace, but it's but his coming is anything but peaceful. You know, a couple of verses down uh, in the passage we just read, Luke tells the story of a man named Simeon. And Simeon was at the temple when Mary and Joseph came, and he saw the baby, he saw Jesus. And he himself, recognizing Jesus as the Son of God, recognizing Jesus as the one who has come to bring salvation, he exclaims, he, he exudes in praise as well. And worship. Because of the coming of the Son of God to our world. But Simeon turns to Mary and he tells her this, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken again so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Now, this is the painful part. He says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Again, this two juxtaposition, the praise and the worship because of Christ's coming to bring peace on, the, on earth, and yet at the same time, this peace that he's coming, it's also causing pain and struggle and violence. Matthew 10, verse 34, Christ is telling his disciples, do not suppose that I come to bring peace to the earth. I do not come to bring peace again, but I come to, with a sword. He comes with a sword. 
Now, he's not saying that he's not come to bring peace. That's not what he's saying at all. He's just, he's, he's just telling them that the peace he's bringing is actually coming with a struggle. It's coming with pain and conflict, with a sword that pierces the heart, that reveals the true condition of humanity, that reveals the violence and the, the, the distance that we have from God. And that's, this is one of the reasons we often can resist um, faith in Jesus. Because we somehow think that it's supposed to be this absence of struggle, this absence of pain and suffering. Right? The Christmas story itself has been reduced to, 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 to narratives of that, that makes us think that um, faith in Jesus is all about being comfortable and secure, getting all the gifts that you want, having a, you know, it's a nice, cheerful season. And, you know, and I'm not saying it's not, but we have to realize faith in Jesus comes with Christ revealing our sins and our wickedness and our distance from him, exposing our selfish ambitions, exposing the evil that resides in us. And so the sword comes, the pain comes, the struggles come. And that's just, it's life. But often we get debilitated by it. We get angry at God because we don't get what we, we, we don't, we, we haven't gotten what we thought we deserved or we turn away from God and because we're not living the best life now, the vision of our lives is not what we thought it would be. So we look to other things to fulfill those desires and appetites that we may have. Um, I'm reminded of this, the movie, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And it's a story about a young couple who did not want to deal with their painful memories of each other. Um, if you haven't seen it, see it, it's a good movie. So they turn, so what, what they do, because they don't want to deal with the painful memories, they turn to a company that somehow uses this technology and procedure to, to erase all their bad memories of their relationship. And there's a commercial about this company in the movie, and one of the lines is this. It says, our patented non-surgical procedure will rid you of powerful memories that allow you a new and lasting peace of mind you never imagined possible. You get the peace of mind that you've always wanted. This technology can do it for you. Right? They were chasing after something that they thought would give them peace, but if you watch them, it, it really did not. And I think that's true for many of us, that we chase things that we think will give us peace because it is advertised or it's shown to you know, fulfill whatever appetite or desire you may have. 
They're flaunted in our faces, posing as medicines to cure our pains and satisfy our appetites. So then we're constantly misled, especially in this season, to believe that more accumulation and acquisition would translate into more peace and less pain, more satisfaction, less struggle. You know, and chapter two, the beginning of chapter two, this is a fascinating thing Luke kind of does. He draws our attention just, just briefly to the rulers of that time, to Caesar Augustus, who was the emperor of the Roman Empire. And, this, and Caesar Augustus, if you know the story, he um, calls himself a god or the son of God. And Luke is putting that right in the front, just right there, just before he uh, talks of, on the narrative about the birth of Jesus. This person who claims to be the son of God, and yet in this little town of Bethlehem, there is someone who claims to be the son of God. Caesar Augustus is known to have ushered this new era of, of peace of um, economic prosperity and religious fervor. And um, this advanced trading system. This era is, is known as called the Pax Romana that actually lasted over 200 years. And an article I read, he talks about this. He said one of the things that they did so well is that local elites were offered a good life with attractive Roman values, amphitheaters, bathhouses, wine. And, and then the imperial system was open enough that especially able and ambitious provincials could aspire to move to the center of things. And that thriving interdependent economy rewarded those who adopted Roman values and assimilated with the Roman system. In other words, the empire uh, urged these people to, 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 to take on the values of the culture, to indulge in their desires and in their appetites. And they assumed that peace of mind and satisfaction came through consumption and accumulation and wealth. That's the Pax Romana. And I think in many ways, that is the Pax Americana. That is our empire. That is our world. That we secure peace by what we do, by what we have, by what we accomplish. And really, you could have the best life now. You could have a good time. You know, enjoy all the things you want to enjoy. Traveling, vacation, um, eating at good restaurants. That might be you know, that might be your portion in life. But at the end of the day, you will always find yourself consistently empty because that will not give you the eternal peace that God has made us for. Um, Martin Luther says this. 
He says, it is impossible to gain peace of conscience by the methods and means of the world. Experience proves this. Various holy orders have been launched for the purpose of securing peace of conscience through religious exercises. But they, are, but they proved failures because such de de devices only increase doubt and despair. We find no rest for our weary bones unless we cling to the word of grace. What is he saying here? He's saying no religious exercise, no secular religious exercise would fulfill, secure the peace of conscience that we crave. It is only through the word of grace. And where does this grace come, come from? It does not come from Rome, but in Bethlehem. Again, Luke brilliantly juxtaposes the peace that comes from Rome and the peace that comes from Bethlehem. And what he's trying to say, the peace does not come from Caesar Augustus, but actually comes from Jesus. It does not come from the district of Columbia, but from that little town of Bethlehem. It does not come from Trump or Biden or any human leader. It comes from Christ Jesus himself. The, the idea here is that we cannot go, gain true peace by our own methods or by the ways of the world. Which is why I love verse 15. Verse 15 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They went to Bethlehem. They did not go to Rome, the center of power and prosperity. They went to that small village of Bethlehem. They went to see Jesus, the one and only one that can give us the eternal peace that we need. Now, in the midst of all that's happening, I know if you read the news, they're all saying it's going to be a dark winter, it's going to be a hard winter. In the midst of all of that, I want to say this, that we can find peace in Jesus. Just before Jesus left his disciples, he told them this. In John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribula tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And when he resurrected, when he was crucified, when he died, when they thought all hope was lost, and in the three days they were waiting and hiding and quarantining, the disciples were hiding for three days, thinking they were going to lose their lives. What happened? Jesus appeared in the room they were hiding. And he said, peace be with you. So I leave that with you, my friends. As we um, continue on and pray.
press on waiting, right? It's kind of like we're waiting for this vaccine to come. Christ is speaking to us, and he says, peace be with you. Amen. Let's worship together and respond um, together in song.